Hi, I'm Trem Rocky and this is my first blog post. So today I'm going to talk about that I'm a fangirl of Charles Dickens. It sounds a bit crazy in 2020 to say that I'm a fangirl of a writer who died a hundred years before I was born. I'm also not an expert on Charles Dickens, nor have I read all of his works. Nonetheless, I endure the influence and the part Dickens' writings have played in my life. And these are some of the things I'm going to talk about today. I've simply really enjoyed the books that I've read and many of his lines and characters have resonated throughout my life. I'd like to share some of these lines or parts of books with you. So a little tiny bit of background about Charles John Huffman Dickens first. Charles was born on the 7th of February 1812 in Portsmouth in England. He was the second of what would become a family of eight children and much has been written and said about Charles's family who would have liked to have been wealthier but remained poor. However, this blog post isn't going to be about that. So, a bit of background about this memorable part from Dickens is from Bleak House, and it's about a character called Mrs Jellyby. She's a character who's remained with me over many years as both a warning and as an example to avoid. Mrs Jellyby spends all of her time raising money for the poor of Africa. A quote from Bleak House, she was a pretty, very diminutive, plump woman, not from 40 to 50, with handsome eyes, though they had the curious habit of seeming to look a long way off, as if, and I'm quoting Richard again, they could see nothing nearer than Africa. I've often thought of those eyes of Mrs Jellyby, both as a parent myself and also when observing others who may have Mrs Jellyby's syndrome. Mrs Jellyby couldn't care for her children properly or see the people that she could help were nearer to her or in her community. She had her eyes forever fixated on the horizon and the good she could do in faraway places. Although Mrs Jellyby was a philanthropist, it equally applies to other distractions. Having eyes that looked to the horizon or the closer focus was a continent away could equally be eyes that could only see the screen on your device or peer short-sightedly at those around you. So I've often reminded myself that my children need to be my focus and I need to see them clearly, their needs and wants, as much as other competing interests and demands that modern life brings. As in all things, a balance is required so that outside focuses get the time they need as well as inside the home. It also brings to mind the relatively recent Barbie Saviour Syndrome where people want to do good and often cause many more problems than they intended. Dickens' A Christmas Carol is probably a universal favourite. It's been made into so many films and interpretations that Scrooge is a part of the vernacular for a person who is tight with their money and their time. For many years, I spent every December reading the tiny novella, enjoying again the delights of the tale. Mr. Beezywig's ball is always such a delight. And I love the two apprentices, Dick and Ebenezer, getting ready and the pre-ball anticipation as well as the ball itself. I've often thought of that excitement when I had an event or something special happening as well, thinking to myself, it's as exciting as Mrs. Jeffreezywig's ball. The delightful description of the ball is repeated later when Scrooge's nephew Fred has his Christmas party. Of course, I also loved Dickens' description of Scrooge being immersed in reading with his delight at the return of Alibaba and the beautiful colour descriptions bringing to the stories to life. I've been so lucky to have enjoyed reading all of my life. 
perhaps the product of being quite a lonely child, just as Scrooge is described. The three ghosts are just as marvellous, and I loved every one of them as well. I recently went to a performance of A Christmas Carol at the Tramway Theatre in Glasgow. It was just marvellous, and brought to life the feeling the book has often done, of the joy of Christmas and the kind-hearted feelings towards my fellow man. Puppets were used for the ghosts, and the ghost of the Christmas future was quite menacing on the stage, a colossus of a ghost, half covered in darkness. The tiny puppet of the ghost of Christmas present was a spotlight puppet skillfully manipulated by the puppeteers and shining on Fred and Bob Cratchit. The Dickens novel that's most broken my heart, though, goes to the tale of two cities. It isn't the main story that's remained with me as long, but the sacrifice of Sidney Carton. The love that he had for Lucy, enough to offer himself to go to the Madame Guillotine instead of Lucy's beau, Charles Darning, and a quote from the novel, Think now and then that there is a man who would give his life to keep the life you love beside you. The text, which is written as he's being transported in the tumbrils to the guillotine and holds on to the little laundress's hand, is heartbreaking and beautiful. I cannot read this without the tears welling in my eyes. He has asked Lucy that he be remembered to her children in stories, and this also resonates with me. In the end, we all become stories. Some are told, and some are silent, and hidden in the grave. I love this story, and often think of Sydney as if he is a person that should be remembered. Being forgotten and your story not being told is something which is incredibly heartbreaking. I'm very interested in my family history, and I've travelled the world to visit graves of relatives who have died. Trying to keep their story alive is something that's important to me, and I think, perhaps, this links to Sydney's tale. Many years ago, I was fortunate to visit the Charles Dickens Museum in London. It's at 48 Doherty Street in London, and one of Dickens' old homes. Dickens wrote three novels there, Oliver Twist, Nicholas Nickleby, and The Pickwick Papers. The museum's been closed due to the coronavirus and it's struggling for funds and it's appealing for donations to help it survive. It was here that I first saw the painting by R. W. Bus, Dickens' Dream. I was mesmerised by the capture of an artist with the characters swirling in his head. I've always wanted to be a writer and having the joy of the characters keep your mind company is such a glorious gift. The Dickens Museum is selling a beautiful silk and chiffon scarf with a reproduction of the artwork on it. I would love this. My final part that I'd like to discuss is two Dickens novel. One, Bill Sykes and Oliver Twist. The companionship of Bullseye, which is then rewarded by Bill trying to drown the dog, was as full of horror for me as when Bill murders Nancy. The betrayal of the loyalty of the dog is as hurtful and as awful as his betrayal of the woman. This is also again in the hurt in Great Expectations, when Pip is horrified that his benefactor is not Miss Havisham, but the former convict, Magwitch. I felt this again in my own experiences, to accept people as they are, and not to aspire to hold too much in awe the higher classes in society. I am hurt for Magwitch, as Pip derides his benefactor and regrets that it isn't Miss Havisham. Pip's revulsion of the lower classes has stayed with me, and a reminder to be true to myself and where I'm from and not to be caught up in the false airs and graces. 
Dickens himself fought these impulses, as his grandfather had been a servant, and Charles had worked very hard to improve his own life and that of his children. I hope you've enjoyed my Dickens musings, and I'd love to hear from you on your favourite parts of the Dickens novels. I'm hoping to turn this into a podcast, as I've said, and hopefully you've enjoyed listening. Bye from Tremrocky.